I want to invite you to uh, turn with me in God's Word to the book of Esther. We're three weeks into a four-week uh, sermon series that I've had through this book. And it's exciting. Man, what a story that God's given us. But we're going to be looking at in chapter 5 today in the story of Esther. And some of you might not uh, know where we kind of are in the story and what's been going on. So I'm going to kind of catch you up on it. But today we're going to pick up in Esther 5 and go down to chapter 6, verse 13. And, and basically today's going to be about seeing where Esther came from a, a situation that looked like death and God granted life to her. And then we're going to see a guy by the name of Haman, what happened to him. And then another guy by the name of Mordecai and what was really going on with him in this story. So there's a lot of things going on in this book. But it is um, it's a, an amazing book. And I was telling uh, Ken Anthony earlier before church, it's, this is the only book in the Bible that God's by name is not mentioned. The only book in all of the Bible that God by name is not mentioned. And you almost have to ask yourself the question, why is God's name not mentioned in this book? Because have you ever been in that kind of a situation where you were going through something and you, and you said, God, where are you? Where are you in this situation? Are you out there? Are you real? <laughs> well, what we are going to see throughout this whole book is that God is sovereign when life doesn't make sense. And you know, that's, that's where some of you have been recently. You're, you're going through a season in your life where it might not be making sense at all. But the reality and the truth is that God is still sovereign. And what does that mean? God is still in control. God is still ruling. God is still on his throne. He hasn't moved anywhere. And you know, a lot of times we're, we're, we question and say, well, God, why won't you do this? Or why won't you do something? Why won't you fix this? And we're going to see Esther went through something that was really uh, pretty amazing. But God took her from being an orphan girl to becoming the queen of Persia. An amazing story. The queen of Persia. And so when we ended last week, let me give you a little recap. When we ended the story last week, this guy by the name of Haman, he's evil. He had plotted to have all the Jews destroyed because of a guy by the name of Mordecai wouldn't bow down to him. And so he decided not just to kill Mordecai, but he decided he was going to annihilate all of the Jews entire, in, in the entire Persian Empire. Now that was a big empire. They had 127 provinces. We got 50 states here in the United States, but 127 provinces all the way from India, all the way over to Egypt. It covered all the Middle East. But this was the Persian Empire. And Esther was as queen, and Haman had a plan, destroy the Jews. Well, Haman issues his verdict. He puts out a document, and the king stamped on it with a ring, the, the, sing, the, the sign of approval. The issue went out to all the land. On a certain date in the future, every Jew is to be killed. This in the land. 
And see, what old Haman did not know was that Esther was a Jew. And remember, Mordecai had told Esther, do, do not reveal who your kinfolks are. You know, how many of y'all kind of ashamed of your kinfolks from time to time? How many of your kinfolks? All right, we got one honest person in the room. How many of your kinfolks are ashamed of you? You might be the one, hey, I'm the one that my kinfolks are ashamed of. Well, yeah, I'm the one. Yeah, if, you, if you're the one, if there is not one, then you're probably the one. That, that's what they've always said. You know, every family has one, and if you can't figure out who it is, it's probably you. Well, it wasn't that kind of case. It was like, just keep this a secret. Don't tell him you're a Jew. So here's the king of Persia. His, we call him King A, Ahasuerus. It's easier to say King A than Ahasuerus over and over. He's really Xerxes is uh, the historical name if you studied in high school and got up on all that. But it's King Xerxes. And even Xerxes did not know Esther was a Jew. He had made her queen and he did not know that she was a Jew. But Haman had issued this verdict for all the Jews to be killed on a certain date. And Mordecai, he goes to Esther, and he says, Listen, Esther, you need to approach the king and ask for a favor. And Esther's response was, You know the law. The law is if anybody appears before the king without being summoned, you know what the penalty was? death you were killed in other words you just didn't show up in the presence of the king you had to be asked to show to be shown and so Mordecai says Esther I need we need you to do this and she's like listen and then Mordecai says who knows maybe God has placed you at the position you're in right now for such a time as this so Esther had those famous words that we finished on last week and was she went into the, she decided for three days, we're not going to eat anything for three days, we're not going to drink anything for three days and get all the Jews in the land to do that and join me and let's, let's go to God with this and let's pray about it. So that's what, where we ended. And her final words last week were this, if I perish, I perish. In other words, if I die, I die. And Mordecai said, listen, if you don't go, you're, you're a dead person anyway because the edict has been issued and all Jews are to be killed. So that's the first thing I got about this whole thing. Is a, it's a life and death matter. It's a life and death matter here that's going on. So let's pick up with me. Pick up with me. This is an exciting story, isn't it? So let's pick up in chapter 5, verse 1. It says, now it came about on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes and she stood in the inner court. Esther got dressed up, y'all. She put on the royal robes. And I bet she was looking good. Remember, what did the Bible say about Esther? She not only looked good in face, she looked good in form. She was a 10. Now, she was a bad mamma jamma, okay? Y'all danced to that before. She was... She was a hottie, you know. She was. Well, she was all dressed up. 
And she stood in the inner court of the king's palace in front of the king's rooms. And the king was sitting on his royal throne in the throne room opposite the entrance to the palace. And remember, you remember in the story, what's important here? If King A, Xerxes, does not extend the golden scepter to her, she's dead. Remember, she told Mordecai, she said, listen, even though I'm the queen, he hadn't even asked for me to come to him for 30 days. So I'm sure he was with some of the other women, but he had not even asked Esther to come over in 30 days, and she was the hottest one of all. So I don't know what's going on, but she knew she was facing death. So she was all dressed up for it. She was all ready for that moment. And she shows up. And guess what the king did? He looked, it says in verse 2. When the king saw Esther, the queen standing in the court, she obtained favor in his sight. And the king extended to Esther the golden scepter which was in his hand. So Esther came near and touched the top of the scepter. Wow! She, uh, she knew she was dead. <laughs> she knew that unless he extended it, what was going to be the outcome? But he did. So can you only imagine how she felt as she, when he says come? And she went up and she knelt and she touched the top of that golden scepter. Boy, if that's not God extending grace, the word favor means grace. And God's grace was extended in that moment. Do you know what the Bible says about all of us? The Bible says that every person is dead in their sin. That we're all dead in our trespasses and sin. And listen, we need the God, we need the king of all kings to extend the golden scepter to us. And he has done it through a person by the name of Jesus Christ. And so when you and I receive Jesus Christ, we are given life. And that changes everything. And so that's a whole other story. But I had to bring that point up because it's a picture of it right here in this story. So Esther's like, all right, I'm alive. <laughs> I was dead, but now I'm alive. And so the story continues. The king said to her, verse 3, What is troubling you, Queen Esther? Because he knew something had to be bothering her for her to show up unannounced. What's troubling you? And she said, and he said, And what is your request? You've got to love this part. He said, Even to half of the kingdom it shall be given to you. Now, women, have you ever played that card with you, man? Have you ever played that card? You did something and he was, he was so taken back by what you did. He said, honey, even to half the kingdom, I give it to you. Now, you know you got him wrapped around that little finger when he makes that statement to you. And you know, I don't know if this is where the, the judge, where the 50-50 comes in. <laughs> you know, you take 50, I get 50, whatever. It's all ours is how we look at it. But... Uh, I know, I know that uh, my wife has had me in those moments to where I go, all right, honey, whatever you want, whatever you want, up to half of my kingdom. And the truth is they got all of it anyway, amen? Some of the brothers are nodding to that anyway, all right. 
Well, let's move on. He says, up to half of the kingdom. And Esther said, verse 4, If it pleases the king, may the king and Haman come this day to the banquet that I have prepared for him. She's preparing something for old Haman. He didn't, he didn't know what's coming. And then the king said, he just shouted out the order, Bring Haman quickly so that we may do as Esther desires. So the king and Haman came to the banquet which Esther had prepared. Verse 5. And you know, these, this Persian king, he likes to drink his wine. We've seen that, man. They party. They don't mess around. They party in Persia, all right? As they drink their wine at the banquet, the king said to Esther, What is your petition? For it shall be granted. And what is your request? And then he says it in front of everybody. He didn't just, he said it first privately. Now he's going public. Even to half of the kingdom, it shall be done. So he means business when he says this. So Esther replied, my petition and my request is, verse 8, if I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition to do what I request, may the king and Haman come to the banquet, which I will prepare for them, and tomorrow I will do as the king says. So basically, you got Esther, you got the king, Xerxes, you got Haman. And they're all three there for their little deal. And Esther says, give me a banquet tomorrow, and I'll tell you what I really want. So she put it off for one day for some reason. We don't know. They were already drinking. They were having a good time. And she said, let's just postpone it for a day. That, that's significant, y'all, because something happens in the meantime. So let's see how the rest of the story goes. Verse 9. Haman went out that day. Boy, he was happy. He was glad. He was, he was excited. He was glad and pleased of heart is what the Bible says. You know, Haman was on top of the world, y'all. Haman had it all. He was second in command. He had everything going for him. But notice verse 9. But when Haman saw Mordecai, in the, in the king's gate, and that he did not stand up or tremble before him, Haman was filled with anger against Mordecai. Now there's a lesson right there. Here was Haman, second in command, most, one of the most powerful men in the world. And he was glad in his heart, but when he saw that old Mordecai, that Jew who he didn't like, sitting at the king's gate, and he wouldn't stand up, he wouldn't honor him because the command had gone out you are to honor Haman, and Mordecai wasn't going to do it. Mordecai was only going to honor his God. And so because he would not honor Haman, Haman despised him. And even in spite of all the good things that were going on, he had been invited to the banquet by Queen Esther. This troubled him so much, it got at him, and he wasn't satisfied. And so... Haman controlled himself, verse 10, however, and he went to his house and sent for his friends and his wife, Zeresh. Now, that's a name, isn't it? Zeresh. <laughs> oh, well. Then Haman recounted to them the glory of his riches and the number of his sons. At every instance where the king had magnified him and how he had promoted both, uh, he was promoted above the princes and the servants of the king. And Haman also said, even Esther, the queen 
Let no one but me come with the king to the banquet which she had prepared. And tomorrow also I am invited by her with the king. Notice, circle this verse, verse 13. Yet all this does not satisfy me every time I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. In other words, I, he had it all, but he didn't have that guy. That one guy was troubling him. And all of this satisfied me every time except for that one thing. Seeing old Mordecai sitting at the king's gate. Well, here's what his closest advisors told him to do. His wife and the close friends said, okay, here's what you do. Have a gallows 50 cubits high made. Do you all know how tall 50 cubits is? It's uh, cubits like 18 inches. So we're talking 75 feet tall is how high they were going to hang old Mordecai. So that's, that's, that's a long ways up now, isn't it? Man, I'd hate to have to fall several stories and then that rope catch. But we're talking 75 feet high were the gallows. And so they said, have the gallows built that high. And in the morning, she said, ask the king to have Mordecai hanged on it. And then go joyfully with the king to the banquet. And the advice pleased Haman, so he had the gallows made. We're going to stop there for a moment to just picture this. Zeresh, his, his wife, says, okay, if you don't like Mordecai, here's your plan. You're going to a banquet tomorrow, but here's what you can do. Let's build these gallows to hang him, and you go into the king, and you settle this with the king, and then you can go enjoy your banquet. Because Haman... Well, I mean, Mordecai will be destroyed. Now, isn't this interesting? Because a few chapters over, Haman wanted to do something to Mordecai, but he decided what? He wanted to destroy all of Mordecai's people. Now, this had gotten so personal, so personal, that he's not only wanting to destroy him, I'm going to go ahead and get Mordecai hanged tomorrow. All right? We, are we going to stop right there? No. We're going to stop at a, another point here that's going to have you on the edge of your seat. But we're not stopping here. So what happened? During that night, the king could not sleep. All right. Anybody had trouble sleeping lately? Anybody in the room have trouble sleeping lately? Okay. We have a few. What are the chances that this took place? What's the timing? of all of this, that the, on this particular night that King Xerxes could not sleep. I think you've you got to see God in this a little bit. Because old Mordecai, remember the plan is Mordecai is going to be hanged, Haman's going to the banquet. But on this particular night, for some reason, King Xerxes could not sleep. So, he had it ordered that they bring the book of records, the chronicles. The Persians recorded everything in their book. And so if you've ever tried to go to sleep before, reading will help you go to sleep. You try to read something. I've told people if you really want to go to sleep, you try praying. Because if you start praying, you're going to go to sleep. I've done that before. 
because the devil don't want you praying anyway, so he'll make sure you get to sleep real quick. But, but the thing was, these people started reading the chronicles, the records. And so as they began to read the records to King Xerxes, they came across this story. And remember, this story happened a few chapters back in our story. And they read this story. It said it was found written that Mordecai had reported concerning Big Than and, and Mr. T, two of the king's units who were doorkeepers, and they sought to lay hands on King Xerxes. And then the king said, it was reported, remember, you know, what he did. And remember, Esther found out, and she, um, I mean, Mordecai found out, reported to Esther, and Esther reported it in Mordecai's name. So that's the back story. So now this story is told to the king. So King Xerxes says, okay, man, that's great. What, what was done for the one who saved my life? And the official read back and said, nothing. Nothing? Man, this, this man just saved my life from these, you know, who I thought were my doorkeepers here. And we did nothing for him? Are you kidding me? We did nothing for him. Have you ever done something before and you never got credit for it? You might have got the blame for it, something. I've learned this. As a leader, take the blame for everything and the credit for nothing. You go a long ways if you do that. Take the blame for everything, credit for nothing. Well, Mordecai had done a great thing, and he had not received any credits here until that night when King Xerxes heard what Mordecai had done. And then when he found out that nothing had been done, he said, oh, we're going to have to do something about that. Now, this is God's perfect timing in this whole story because Haman gets up that morning, and he's, boy, he's on top of the world he's thinking man this is a good day I've got the gallus you, you know as he walked out of his house and he saw that gallus 75 feet tall he said old Mordecai is going to be swinging from there in a few minutes and I'm about to go to the banquet you know he's on top of the world so he goes and he marches down there to the palace and he enters into the court and then the king he knows somebody has arrived, and King said, who's in the courtyard? And they said, oh, it's Haman. Well, Haman's second in command, so bring him in. And so Haman comes walking in, and boy, Haman's on top of the world. And so pick up here in verse 6. So Haman came in, and the king said to him, verse 6, what is to be done for the man whom the king desires to honor? I've got that verse underlined. What is to be done to the man the king desires to honor? And Haman said to himself, Who would the king desire to honor more than me? Who? It's got to be me. Boy, oh boy. He was on top of the world. Who could it be? It's got to be me. It's got to be me. Who would he wanted to honor more than me? Wow. I've got a few notes I've got written down here. It says, 
Proverbs 15, 13 says, The fear of the Lord is the instruction for wisdom, and before honor comes humility. You know, humility is also the foundation for honor. If you know someone that is going to be honored and to receive honor, the stepping stone, the foundation for that is to humble oneself, humility. But what's about to happen to Haman is not going to be humility. It's going to be humiliation. And there's a difference between being humbled and humiliation. Okay? Big difference. Haman went from being honored to being humiliated. And how do I know? Let's pick up in the story. Then Haman said to the king, for the man whom the king desires to honor, look at this, verse 9, let them bring a royal robe, all right, royal robe, which king has worn. Not just a robe in the wardrobe, but one that the king has actually worn himself, a royal robe. Let's get a royal horse, go get the horse that the king has actually ridden on. And let's go get a royal crown, which the king has actually worn. Let's get those three things. You got a royal robe, royal horse, royal crown. And then let the king take one of those princes. Remember there's, seven prov there's 127 provinces, but there were seven princes in the land. So he said, take one of those princes and let one of those highly most respected, valued princes lead the honored one through the streets of Susa, the, the, cap the capital of Persia, and let him honor him. This is, this is Haman thinking, man, this is going to be me. This is, this is my time to shine in the light. And the king heard every word that Haman said, and he said, good. Do it. Go get Mordecai, and you be the one to lead him through the streets of Susa. You're talking about going from feeling like you're on top of the world to being the most humiliated person. So what did Haman have to do? He had to go take that robe, put it around Mordecai, took the crown, put it on him, took the horse, brought it up, had him, helped him up there. He got on the horse. And he's got to be sitting there thinking, I had the gallows built to have this sucker hanged this morning before the banquet, and here I am about to have to parade him through town. And so he had to walk Mordecai through town and, say, and hailed and honored Mordecai, the one whom the king desires to honor because he had saved the king's life. Wow. Let me tell you this, folks. Pride will bring you low. Do you know it's pride that turned angels into demons? Do you know that? It was pride that turned angels into the devil. Lucifer was the most beautiful of all angels created by God Almighty, but it was his pride that he wanted to be God himself. 
God said, you shall not have any other gods before me. And God kicked him out of heaven. And, and then all of those other angels that decided to follow Lucifer, they were fallen angels. They're demons. If you don't believe there's demons are real, then wake up. They're there. They're real. They're out there. But that's what pride does. And you know what else pride will do? Pride will keep you out of heaven. Because pride will say, you don't need God. I can do this on my own. I don't need Jesus. I don't need God. I'm going to live my life, do the best I want to do, and then when I die, that's it. That's pride. That's pride. And God says in his word that he's opposed to the proud, James 4, verse 6, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, that's very important because when God opposes you, you're not going to win. You're going down. God is opposed to the proud, but look at the other part of that but. But he gives grace to the humble. What did he give to Esther that day? He gave her grace by the king extending the golden scepter. What is he doing in Mordecai's behalf? Mordecai, for all he knew, he didn't know the gallows had been built 75 feet high. All he knows is he's sitting on the royal horse and being carried through the town by this old guy by name Haman. Boy, the day has changed. What a story this is. What a turn of events. From life to death, from honor to humiliation. Someone said it this way. Haman went from being honored to being humiliated. And why? Because of pride. Pride makes us artificial. Humility makes us real. You know, I've seen people all full of pride, and they're phonies, they're fakes. But when somebody is truly humbled by God, and they're broken by God, then you see somebody real. You see the real deal. And we also know this, according to Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. And so, this is the case of Haman. His pride had gotten the best of him. And so he was totally humiliated. So the rest of the story follows like this. Mordecai, after he had had the wonderful parade through the streets of Susa, he gets off the royal horse, and he goes and he sits back down at the king's gate. Now, how do you think the people in the Persian Empire are going to look at Mordecai from now on? Man, that guy's special. That guy's important. He had on the royal robe. He was on a royal horse. He had on a royal crown. But now he's back over at the king's gate. So what happens to Haman? Follow me. It said, verse 12, But Haman hurried home, mourning with his head covered. And then Haman recounted, verse 13, this is where we're going to finish today, to his wife and all of his friends, everything that had happened to him. And then the wise men and his wife said to him, If Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, is of Jewish origin... You will not overcome him, but will surely fall before him. 
And we're going to stop right there. So I know, yeah, you can go ahead and read the rest of the story before next Sunday, but we're stopping right there for today. So the point of all this, you've seen two things. You've seen a life and death situation with Esther, and God extended grace and extended life. And we've seen honor and humiliation in a story of Haman and Mordecai. Let me ask you, which one of those guys do you identify with most? Are you Haman or are you Mordecai? Are you the one that has been serving faithfully and you're steadfast, you love God, you're going to stay faithful? And maybe you might not get recognized for it, but listen, the time will come that there's a payday someday. Because I'm going to tell you this, what goes around comes around. It's called boomerang. Boomerang. And for whatever a man soweth, that he also reaps. But we reap more than we sow. Good or bad, I don't only want to focus on the evil, but good or bad. But which one of these do you identify with the most? Am I Haman or am I Mordecai? Am I that guy that's just so full of pride? I don't need God. Why do I need to go to church? I don't need that religion stuff in my life. You know, you don't. You need a relationship with a person called Jesus. Because religion and all that other stuff is stuff. But what's real is relationship. And Haman hated God's people. He hated the Jews. And Haman was on top of the world, he thought, until that day. Or you might feel like old Mordecai. Well, if, you are, if you're in his shoes, don't give up. Because the rest of the story is coming. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, thank you for such a wonderful but yet powerful story in this book called Esther. Thank you for the life lessons that we can learn from it. Thank you that, that um, you offer life in this room to everyone today. Thank you that you give us opportunity to humble ourselves. And Lord, there might be someone in this room today that has never really done that before. They, they still have self on the throne, and they're still just like Haman, full of themselves. And whom would the king desire to honor more than me? Look at me. Well, listen, I've been there. I know how you feel. I've been that person. I've been there where I thought life's just centered around me. But you know what? When you find out that God gives grace to the humble, and did you find out that the greatest storyteller, the greatest person to ever walk this planet, Jesus Christ, came and he humbled himself and went to a cross to die for you and me? That changes everything. God is opposed to the proud, but God gives grace to the humble. So I'm going to ask you in this moment, what's God saying to you? Is my heart full of pride or am I broken? Am I at that point I'm ready to humble myself and surrender my life to Jesus Christ?
Now is your moment. Now is your time. For such a time as this is your moment. Will you respond to the love and grace of God? Would you come trembling before him and see him extend the golden scepter to you? That's my prayer for you this morning. You know who you are. And you might go, I'm dead. I don't deserve it. You don't know what I've done. Yeah, I don't. God knows everything. And yet he extends it to you today. The question is, will you receive it? Will you receive it? Lord, this is your time. Holy Spirit, have your way as we respond to what you've said to us. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. In a moment, we're going to stand. We're going to sing a song. And we're going to take an offering up here in a moment. And, but as you stand and sing, I'm going to be down front. And we have this altar here. If you feel God pulling you to come and kneel and to pray or have someone pray with you, we will be here. We're here for you. That's why we, we gather to encourage one another to see people go from death to life. So I'm going to invite you in that moment to come. But most importantly, you be obedient and surrender to Jesus Christ today is our prayer. So let's stand as we sing. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. The Lamb has overcome. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. The Lamb has overcome. And we sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. The Lamb has overcome. And we sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah.
wonder if, um, if there's someone in the room that would just say, hey, I'm struggling right now with surrendering this particular part of my life. And it's, it's a battle. And I've been fighting this for so long, and I keep trying to defeat it on my own, but it keeps knocking me down. And no matter how hard I try, I, I can't overcome it. If that's you, without nobody looking, just, just lift up your hand in this room. If that's you, you're struggling with something. Yes. Yes. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm just asking. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Yes. And there are others. Yes. Okay. Well, I've learned this, and I'm learning it. You see, it's our pride that keeps us from raising our hand that says, hey, I need help. It's our pride that says, you know what, I'm going to keep trying to do this on my own. But God wants someone to come alongside you and to help you. We all need others to help us. Christianity is not a lone ranger religion. It's a relationship of brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ who are struggling, who don't have all their ducks in a row, but we're doing life together and we're loving each other in spite of all our warts, <laughs> in spite of all of our issues, loving one another. And Jesus is loving us every day. Okay? So you may be seated this time. Our ushers are about to come and take our morning offering. And remember, for all our guests, <clears throat> just take your card and place it in there. We're excited you were with us today at Gratis, and we invite you to come back. And so, ushers, come on at this time, and we'll take our offering this morning. And I'm going to ask the Ariels and Casey's if y'all would make your way on up this morning. Y'all come on up, guys. I have a couple of families here, but they're all, I'll put the pieces together for those you may not know. But Danny and Donna area, I, we go way back with Jessica, all the way back years ago to Bethlehem. And, and they started tending here several months ago, and, and then they've come through our Discover Gratis. And so they're coming today to say they're ready to be a part of the Gratis family. So isn't it exciting uh, that they're here today? <clears throat> and, I love them. We go way back, and, and it's just walking through a neighborhood. <clears throat> one, one day across from the church property brought things back around. Danny shared the coolest story the other day in our meeting. But he shared, uh, he, said, he said, you know, we were praying about the giving to the Believe campaign. And he, he said, I didn't know uh, if I was ready to commit to that. But by faith, they did. And he said they committed to give. And he said, you know what happened the next day at work? He said, I got a raise for twice the amount that I pledged to give. <laughs> and that, that brother was tearing up right then. I was like, man, those are tears of joy. That's tears of God at work. 
you know. Isn't that awesome that God does that? And I told him, I said, dude, you can't one-up God. <laughs> God's always going to one-up you, you know, but we're learning it together. I've been there, bro. <laughs> I've been there, but I love that story. I had to tell it. I just had to tell it. That's a powerful story. It's a real story. But their daughter, Jessica, we've seen her grow up in church and and then she married this old fellow over here. <laughs> but Dakota, uh, Cody Casey, and they are married. And now God is not only, they got married, but they've been blessed. And a little one is coming. And so you see, you see the Casey's here is two, but there's really three, you know, that'll be coming to be a part of us. But, you know, Caleb was just sharing about you the other day, man, and y'all and y'all's family and just how... He sees you so changed. And this brother, I see him back there raising his hand and praising God. And that wasn't him, you know, a few years ago at all. But God is at work. And that's what God does if, if we just humble ourselves before him. So <clears throat> before we leave today, um, if you get a chance, come by and just say hey to them and introduce yourself and welcome them to the Gratis family. If not, y'all have a... You want to say something? The tickets? Okay. Me, this is Larry. Come to him for the tickets, okay? All right. God bless you. Y'all have a great evening.